Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello, hello. Like they said, I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to another week's edition of Don't Box Me In. You know, day-to-day life can be rough, and it can kind of get us down. So I like when I run across people who are committed to showing us that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Ebony L. Truss is one of these people. She's described as engaging, anointed, powerful, fiery, and hilarious. Ebony is passionate about helping women discover and claim their most fulfilling, professional, and personal lives. As an empowerment speaker and number one best-selling author, Ebony's focus is leading her clients to be impact-centered entrepreneurs. Through her mentorship program, she empowers participants to grow, progress, and achieve their desired goals. She also speaks and writes about designing broader and bolder lifestyles using her book, The Significance Factor, as a foundational guide. I'm tickled to hang out with her today and give her a big welcome. Ebony, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Woo woo! I am so glad to be here, Lana. Thank you. <laughs> I love yes. the energy. Love the energy. Okay. Yes. Woo! <laughs> hello, hello, hello! Don't box me in. I love it. I love uh, the name. I can just see over there the confetti just flying all out the yeah, air. Yes. <laughs> Fireworks. Everything. Yes. Absolutely. Fairy dust. Absolutely. <laughs> wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. So, so I don't even have to ask. How are you doing today? Awesome, girl. You know the reply. <laughs> You know the reply. Yes, ma'am. Awesome and richly well. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. We're going to have a good time. So, you know, I'm going to start off. I, you know, I kind of get right into these things because I have found after doing this show for uh, close to three years now that I never seem to have enough time. So let me just get right into this. You are um, originally uh, born in Detroit and you now live in Alabama. That is such a big uh, jump there. So how does the big city tell it? How does the big city girl end up in the country? Woo! And that's exactly what has happened. Um, uh, Well, as you said, yes, I was born and raised in Detroit. I actually came down to attend college. Um, I fortunately, my mom made sure that we were exposed to lots of different things. And, and, you know, of course, you know, exposure expands us. So when it was time for me to, you know, decide, okay, what school I wanted to go to, I chose no schools in Michigan. Um, and, And as a matter of fact, I found out by my alma mater, which is Talladega College, HBCU, um, here in Alabama, uh, by watching the Cosby Show. It was actually one of the schools that Denise was considering. Yes, and, I remember. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. And, and so being uh, the kind of person I am, I heard the name, went to the library, researched it, and said, you know what, I'm going to apply. It's probably the furthest away from home mm-hmm. that I could possibly get. Uh, <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> But at the same time, you know, hey, and so came here to go to school, had no intention, Lana, of staying, though, had no intention of staying. I am a woman of faith. And so my my, my whole life, my plan was to go to law school. And so I have my law school applications and stuff there again, nowhere near Alabama, was not going back home to Detroit. And I was praying, um, trying to figure out which law school to go to. Bottom line, no law school at all. Saladiga, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, what? Uh-huh. No buses, like very few sidewalks. Are you serious, God? You know, really? Oh, yeah. I'd have died. I'd have died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the Walking Dead for about the first three or four years. <laughs> you know, it's just like oh. I cannot believe this is happening to me in real life. Oh my gosh, oh, yes, man. but praise you. Know. I'm such a big city girl. Like when I go travel and speak and I go to places like smaller towns and it's like, uh-huh. you, you got shut down at nine o'clock. Really? I mean, oh, oh. girl, come on now. <laughs> Where do you do that at? I might need to run to the grocery store. What do you mean I can't go at 1030? What you do you mean? be at the gas station <laughs> paying $25 for some milk. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly I what's going to happen. <laughs> so what you end up going to college for, dear? Um, my, my undergraduate was, was in sociology because again I well I'm not the average bear so I knew I was going to law school but I didn't want to be the 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 normal 
you know, uh, quote, pre-law major. Okay. So I chose something that was, you know, kind of along the same lines, but not. So I chose sociology. Okay. Yeah. Did my undergrad and, so, and, and then later did a master's degree in elementary education. Oh, you just mixed it all up there. Oh, yeah, girl. Remix. Wooka, wooka. Absolutely. Why not? Let's just do it all. So, Why you not? know. When you emailed me uh, to be on today's show, one of the things I read that kind of caught my attention, and I find it so often, is you refer yourself as a serial entrepreneur. Yes. So I'm curious, because um, I'm assuming that it started after college, what kind of things did you find yourself dibbling and dabbling in? Well, actually, no, it didn't start after college. It actually started when I was six. Okay. I had my first business when I was six. I had a lemonade stand. There you um, go. Yes. That saw that on TV too. I watched too much TV. <laughs> anyway, saw that saw that on TV too. Asked my grandma, could I do it? She was foolish enough to say, yeah. And plus, I make it lemonade for you. And the rest was history. Um, then at seven, I sold Kool-Aid Ices. Uh, oh. Then I went on to um, when I was thirteen, I founded Teen Co. And I established what was called rent a kid, and I rented all my friends out to elderly people <laughs> to do things for them in their houses. Um, and then, and then so, I mean, I really she was pimping her friends at seven, eight years old. <laughs> I, it was literally called rent a kid, and I mean, I had it all laid out. I would get them jobs and stuff like, and I rented out my friend, and you know, they got paid, you know, if you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, you know, mm-hmm. 25 hours a week, that's a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and then I have done, girl, more multi-level marketing, more direct. So I've, I've done Cincy. I've done Noah's Ark. I've done Mary Kay three different times. Um, I, I mean, I have, <laughs> I have done a whole lot of stuff. And also, uh, founded and opened a private school. So I have done a whole lot of stuff, more things. I failed at more things than, than what most people have tried. <laughs> but that, that's what makes the success so that, sweet. And that is exactly what, what makes, makes it sweet. sweet. Girl, you, you're right. You're right. So, so you know, let me, because this is always a conversation that I have, especially in the uh, motivational kind of circle, small circle that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's some of us out there like you. We're just we're just not cut out for the nine to five. What yes. what is it about you and your personality? Like, look, I I got there's something out there for me that I, I can't just clock in every day and clock out. What what is it about you that told you early on this this ain't for me? Um, well, like I said, I'm not the average bear, and mm-hmm. so I I I look at the world totally different. I mm-hmm. guess much more differently than than most people. And so for me, it is about having freedom. It is about creating a life that has options. And, you know, growing up in Detroit, I watched, you know, so many of my my friends' parents who, like, worked in the factory. Like, they go Mm -hmm. to GM, they they worked at Chrysler, you know. um, So many people in my community who they they were on uh, Social Security. Like, they had what's uh, that, quote, fixed income. And it's like, fixed? I can't change it. No, we can't do that. You know, oh, no. I might you want know. to go to Paris this week. No. What are you talking about? Fix. Okay. So no, uh, if you got to fix my income, I don't need to be around you. Yeah. I don't need to be. You know what I'm saying? So um, early on, just kind of watching those types of things and not really you know, understanding the ins and outs necessarily, but getting the fact that these people don't have what they want. They can't go when Mm -hmm. they get ready to go and, you know, do what they want to do. They have to have other people tell them when they can take their kids on vacation. And and, and that never sat well with me. Mm -hmm. I was always willing to do it for a little while, but that little while meant that this employer was my investor. And so he or she, they, this entity is is more so investing in what I really am called to do rather than me, you know, spending planning on spending, you know, 30 years. I, I worked for um, the Department of Human Resources for a few years for the state. Um, and I, I served as a as a uh, a social worker. And I can remember walking through the halls and like you can tell the demeanor of the people 
who were really glad to have gotten the job because it was a nice, safe government job. Mm. <laughs> and they had planned on staying there until they retired. They were going to get married, have children, build a, a, buy their house, and they were going to be there. Mm-hmm. And it just made me feel slimy. Yes. Like, how can you just, what? what? It, <laughs> no. Like, that. that's never a, like, I, I'm so different, Lana. Yeah. I just, I can never, that never would have been enough for yes. me. Never. Yeah. And, you know, I truly, I truly understand, you know, and, uh, you know, I was born in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and my parents had the, the vision to get me out at a young age. Yes. And, and I, I love my family to death, you know, and I realize that it takes all types of people to, to make this world go round. But I come from a large family where the bulk of them, you get a job out of high school or right out of college, and you do mm-hmm. it for 30 years till you get your gold pin, and then you retire with your Good, pension. You know yes. what I'm saying? And, and, and that is that is what a large bulk of my family does. So, you know, for for me to be like that little oddball in in, <laughs> yes. in the clique, like no, you know, there's really something else out there, and you're kind of trying to have these conversations with them, and they're they're in their 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 comfort zone, you know, that's yes. what they know. So you kind of realize, like, okay, well, I have to find some like-minded people to yes. be my to be my so, extended so family. Important. Yes, that's be my so extended important. family. You know, because otherwise, you know, I'm going to find myself working at, you know, with Salem, we have the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Factory, we have the Haynes. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I'd find myself doing something like that for 30 years and, you know, yes. you know, taking my two weeks vacation every year with the kid. And, you know, that just, it just, it seems so dreary. It just oh, seems yeah. so. Hopeless. <laughs> yes. Hopeless, Lana. That's the word. Hopeless. But you have to realize, though, because um, this was like frustration for me as I was evolving as a person, because, you know, mm-hmm. you want everybody to feel the same way that you feel. Yes. But you say, yes. well, you know what? That is you. And that is that makes you happy. Like you said, I'm just happy to got me a government job. Yes. And and OK, I'm happy for you. But, mm-hmm. you know, but don't box me. In. <laughs> there you go. That's what you want to do. Right. <laughs> there you go. The best thing we could do for each other is, you know, hook up and play spades on Friday night and maybe That's have right. a cookout Friday together. But <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh My my world is different than your world. So that, you know, it takes all all to go around it. And, you know, but one thing I will say, um, I have found even in talking to some of these people who commit to that, that pattern of lifestyle, 20 years in, 30 years in, they get the little gray glaze over their eyes like Mm. there's something else I should have did. There's something else. There's something else I could have done. This, this, this is not what I should have been doing every day for the past 20 something years life yeah. is in this you know mm-hmm. and uh you know it's a very sad feeling when you when you sit and watch somebody go through that process you know like i yes. could have did this and i tell people all the time there should be no shoulda woulda couldas when you that you when you Ooh. close your eyes that last time mm-hmm. lana will not be saying i shoulda woulda coulda i will have done it all i will have yes done it all. yes done it all. that's cool. it that's awesome. it I love it. I love it. So you're pimping your friends at uh, 12, Girl, 13. yes. <laughs> Are you still connected with some of these friends? Do y'all? <laughs> I wish because I, I, I would try to do it now. We're an adult, dog. Yes. We're an adult. We Rent some grownfolk.com. Absolutely. Yes, yes, ma'am. You know, but it's a beautiful thing because, you know, back in the day, I don't, I don't know how old you are, what age bracket you fit in, but, you know, it really took, you know, you have people that needed to go cut the grass, you needed people to, you know, run to the grocery store, and, and it's a good design. It, it fit yeah. because, you know, and kids need to learn that, that concept of, you know, working for some income, and that that is the true model, the basis for, the foundation for the becoming an entrepreneur. Yes, mm-hmm. so, absolutely. Because you get to learn the you you learn to respect money. That's right. That it just doesn't just show up. You know mm-hmm. that 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 somebody has to do something for it. Now you fortunately have the choice to decide what you do in exchange for it, mm-hmm. but you have to respect the fact that you got to do something. That's you got to right. do something because otherwise that 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 is a direct lead into a poverty mentality. And no, we can't do that. <laughs> can't we do can't that. Add that. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no. Evan, can't do that. All right, Ebony, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right okay. back right after this.
Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. Like they said, I'm Lana Reed, and this is Don't Box Me In. And today I am hanging out with Ebony L. Truss. She is the author of the book, The Significance Factor. And uh, right before we went to break, we were talking about the uh, serial entrepreneur in her. And Ebony, so you you kind of went and told – you did do the state – you did do the regular nine-to-five thing for a minute. You got yes. your state job. So mm-hmm. – so was there one day you just walked into the office and said, you know what, forget this. This is just, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> uh, well, well, there were, there were many days that I walked in and <laughs> I said that up under my breath. I just really can't do this no more. This is ridiculous. I just, I can't, I can't fool with y'all. Uh, but, 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 um, actually I, I went from there to teaching. So, um, I, would have those same conversations in prayer, you know, God, this is just not me. You know, I'm, I'm not a robot. I'm not, you know, I, I can't keep dealing with this. And I had to go investigate a child abuse neglect report at a local elementary school. Um, and I, I had what I call my epiphany moment and I walked, I, I did my interview with the child, you know, made sure the child was okay, all that good stuff. And I walked out into the hallway out of the meeting room in order to leave out the school and go to my car. And the little child who I interviewed was like, Hey, will you come eat lunch with my class? Hmm. I mean, you know, never, never, um, seen me before. You know, I, 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 I just got done asking, you know, the child, all these probing questions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And still, you know, he's like, will you come eat with me in my class? And I was like, okay, well, go ask your teacher. You know, I can uh, take my lunch break now or whatever. And I just had this moment where I, I, I saw the kids in line, you know, laughing and talking. And I smelled the lunchroom food and like this whole like big thing. And the thought hit me. I could teach. Mm. I can teach. I could become a teacher. And so I, I literally totally forgot what he said. I, I don't even know <laughs> if he ever came back. I ran out to school, got in my car, went down to the Board of Education. Lana, I walked in, told the receptionist, I said, listen, I want to be a teacher. What do I do? <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, excuse me. I said, I want to be a teacher. What do I need to do? Oh, and, I, you know, it's just like, and she was like, um, let me get you somebody to talk to, you know, cause I don't, I don't know where you came from, you know, she, what? You know, this is not how this goes down. This is it. This is who I am. I'm telling you, I'm not, the, I tell you all the time, I'm not the average bear. I just, I am a risk taker. I don't mind messing up. In the okay. process of finding success, you know, um, and so long story short, I went back to school, got my master's, actually did my student teaching at the same school where I had my epiphany, actually thought I was going to um, teach at that school, but I, but I didn't. I'm sorry, did some observations at that school, did my student teaching at um, the school where I actually started my teaching career. Um, and so I spent more than a decade, actually. Um, okay. teaching elementary school. Yes. Yes. And, and that's actually where, uh, or, or kind of, uh, where I cut my teeth on being able to break down large concepts okay. in order to get people to take action, which has served me well in my coaching and my mentorship now. Yes, it will. You know, yes. uh, sometimes yes. us, us big fingers, you know, it's it's there in our mind and we see oh, it. But yeah. when well, you try to spit it out into this universe and everybody's yes. looking at you with that deer in the head like, okay, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't communicate this right. Hold on, let me, let me try. Like, it, like the receptionist looked at me when I walked in and said, I want to be a teacher. What do I do? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, exactly. Yes. So the, the, the time with the teaching. It, was that a segue moment for you said you opened up a private school? How did how did that? I did. I did. So um, while I, as I was finishing up my master's degree, I had the thought of opening a school that was about in 2006. Okay. Um, and so in. In the interim, I had my first son, Gabriel, and um, around about this time, he was uh, starting kindergarten. And even though I taught public school, I always wanted for my children to attend private school. So my husband and I decided to put him into private school. um, And, you know, he did kindergarten. He did first grade. And so 
years steady going on, but I, I, I kept this thought in my mind, you know, I want to start this school. And the thought occurred to me to mention it to the headmaster of my son's school mm-hmm. one day. And um, she was like, mm, interesting. I was like, why? And she was like, well, uh, my husband and I are considering getting out of the business. We were going to, you know, get rid of the school, sell the school, uh, pass it on. I was like, oh, my gosh, okay. And so time goes on, and my husband and I decide to take over the school. And I talk about this in my book because it was uh, what led me into the most, I guess, how can I, the most tremendous failure Okay. In my whole life. <laughs> you know, okay. Just, oh my gosh. Just absolutely a <clears throat> absolutely um tremendous I'm trying to think of a weightier word and I'm yes. just tremendous keeps coming. And so what happened was uh, these people were actually in uh foreclosure on the entire um campus that they had and so buildings were going you know left and right but but we weren't told about this and I always um up until even recently I always kind of beat myself up because I said well if I I I had gotten out of my a little less excitement and a bit more due diligence then I probably could have found that out ahead of time um but you know didn't didn't find that information out, um, had heard rumors, asked them about it, um, and they flat out denied it. Nope, everything is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was – I don't mind failing. Uh, like I said, Lana, I don't mind failing. <laughs> but what was hurtful and made me want to put my hands on folk <laughs> was was the fact that they they set us up to be the fall guy. Yes. So so we took over the lease, all that good stuff. But she came up with, like with this whole thing about how you know she didn't. Uh, there was some kind of stipulation with the state, and so I couldn't put the name of my school out front. I couldn't answer the phone saying the name, yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean just. But you know we had signed a contract by that time. The, I was so stressed out i can remember walking through the halls and just praying and my husband told me later he said ebony i used to pray that the stress of that situation didn't kill you that Mm -hmm. we would make it on the other side without you just having some sort of disease or just flat out falling out dead Mm. um that was just how much pressure and stress was on me because i couldn't grow to school because i I couldn't tell anybody really that it was my school Mm. and so uh one day she came in and was just like uh i gotta do some stuff or whatever long story short turns out she was all the people who she said we're going to stay that I had built my entire budget off of. They did not stay. So wow. going in from the very first day, I didn't have an income. I had left my teaching position, you know, left my tenure, left all that, left oh. it all. Um, and so now all of a sudden <laughs> I have no income mm-hmm. at all. Couldn't pay myself and couldn't pay staff for real, for real. Luckily <laughs> I had friends. I mean, really, Luckily, I, I had staff, uh, uh, friends who who came that were willing to be staff, like like teacher friends who had gotten pink slip, hadn't found anything yet. They came, you know, things like that. But I still was having so much trouble building the school. She came in one day, was doing some little stuff, and she, in essence, the few of the of the her previous students who actually did stay, she had told them that like to get out like they were kind of in the know of what her plan was a little bit and she had some friends in city hall who helped her out too they give us a call and say hey the state has shut you down for abusing and neglecting children <gasps> i'm like the devil is a lie oh I used wow to for the state and what i know for sure is that they would have contacted me long before now yes. they're not gonna call the night before and say hey you close tomorrow mm-hmm. okay 
but God is so good. He's so faithful. And, and I had already had the inclination to start putting some stuff in order on the back end that okay. she didn't know about. So f- fortunately, we shut the doors in that building on that Friday and, and opened up in another one that Monday. Didn't okay. miss a beat. The kids were good. All the parents were to uh, take their children, all that good stuff. But word on the street was... Ebony L. Trust was a child abuser. She couldn't really mm. keep real. She was a failure. Like, all these lies. I stole all the ladies' stuff out of school. Like, it was just all these lies. And, and so, like, of course, trips to Walmart were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, That's the girl. Like, That's the lady right there. That's the lady right twice. there. <laughs> you know, and this is small town Alabama, Lana, you know, mm. and then some of these parents, I had taught their children in public school. So they were like, oh my gosh, was she faking all this time? Like, I mean, my reputation in a matter of hours uh-huh. in small town Alabama went to negative like uh-huh. a thousand. Uh-uh. And I promise you, I wanted to kill them. Literally, I was willing to go to jail. <laughs> I was so... I'll catch a case for this one. I'm a catch a girl. <laughs> Come on. I was like, are you serious right now? You know, Like, y'all, the building is being foreclosed on, but you didn't want to be the one to have that scene. So, okay. so you took it out on us, you know, to girl. And so time went on, still was having trouble uh, growing to school, all that good stuff. So over time, it just became too much. It was just too much. Um, and so in the interim, we had to file bankruptcy. We lost our home. Both of our cars got repossessed. We were on food stamps, on Medicaid. And I remember Gabriel came to me one day and he said, Mama, are we poor? <laughs> and, and I mean, and he was so innocent and so sincere. And I was like, I mean, and my heart broke. He was like, and I said, son, why are you asking that? He said, well, every time me or or brother asks for something, y'all always say, we can't do it right now. It's not in the budget. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it was just at that moment, I was like, no, no, this is not going to be. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is not going to be the period of my life. This is not going to be where it ends. This will be a comma. I'm going to figure out something. I'm going to figure out something. And I just set my mind to really, really just get a whole marketing strategy together to grow to school. But as I was doing that, I was watching various coaches and I was watching another epiphany. I've had two mm-hmm. in my life, another epiphany and watching um, Brenda Brashad. Awesome. Oh, yes, coach. yes. Yes. Awesome. Content, free content is amazing. Yes, indeed. And I was, I was trying to grow from that because I, I couldn't afford anything. By this time, <laughs> my husband, I mean, my husband had gotten laid off by this time. So <gasps> now all we got is, un- yeah, he had a good government job, baby. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. And got, and, and they said, bye-bye. They oh, laid my gosh. In the middle of all this. So all we had was about $250 a week in unemployment benefits. And that's it. Mm-mm-mm. That's it. And we had to maintain our mortgage and our car payments and insurance and everything by clothes. During this time, people would buy clothes uh, for my children. People would, I mean, God is so faithful, man. And and so I was watching Brendan Brashad and I heard the spirit of God say, this is what I've called you to do. Mm. And I'm like, and out loud, I said, for real, God? (laughs) (laughs) What? Are you serious? And I was like, what, Mr. I was like, no, nah, nothing, nothing, y'all, nothing. Just keep working, keep working, keep working. And I was like, oh. And and what I realized is um, I, I had um, previous, about maybe four or five years prior to this, I had started a women's organization that at that point had gone national. And it was just uh, amazing. But what God was showing me was that I had been coaching and mentoring women for like the previous six, seven years. I just didn't know that it was an actual thing out there called, quote, coaching. I thought that was just like for football, basketball, <laughs> baseball, right? So I, I had no idea that's what I was doing. And, you know, like they would call me their mentor, but then like, like flew over my head. Like I was just, I was just in it to be a blessing to them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Now what do I do? There yes. again, I'm like, okay, okay. What do I do? You know, where do I go? What am I supposed to, you know, so I just Googled, I Googled coaching women 
Okay. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? And and uh that's amazing that you had that vision. Like, like I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna find some way to get yes. on this path. And, yes. Uh, and I'm yes. gonna find out some more about Ebony getting on that path as soon as we get back from commercial okay. break. Stay with me. Uh-huh. All right. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Like they said, I'm Lana Reed, and today I'm hanging out with Ebony L. Truss. She is the author of the book, The Significance Factor. And before break, we were talking about how she transitioned into coaching women. And Ebony, before we get back into that, I, I just have mm-hmm. one question I want to yeah. ask you before we sure. do that. This 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 man that you have standing by your side called your husband. When yes. you when you first met him, did you fully disclose that he was going to be on this roller coaster ride? Did he know <laughs> the type of woman he was settling down with? <laughs> you know what? You know what? I am really. I am so. And I tell people all the time. I'm so blessed to have a husband who fully supports everything I do. Like he'll give me a side eye. <laughs> but he, I mean, he's always said, Ebony, I don't want to be the one because, you know, he, he, he's of the uh, opinion. It may take you a minute to find what it is. And I don't want me to say no to the thing that it might be. Yeah. You know, now I'm going to ask you some questions <laughs> along the way. Where is the money going to come from? For example, <laughs> you know, I'm going to ask you along the way. Yes. Girl, if I wanted to to become a polar bear hunter, he would try to find me a trainer. I promise he would. Like he he is just so supportive and it helps that he is also a risk taker. Um and so like we just hold hands and jump. You know, um yeah, but 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 no. I mean to answer your question, I did not disclose <laughs> that I was still trying to find myself. No, I did. <laughs> I did not disclose that information to him, unfortunately. Like, man, I done walked down the aisle and put the ring on the finger. Right. Should, should tell me I got to go. Bait and switch. Bait and switch. She got me. Y'all now go. I got to go through all this. I couldn't have got me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Too funny. So we're going to go back to talking about how you started in uh, coaching women and you transitioned into that. And you said you were Googling, you know, coaching women. And, you know, that's what I've been doing. And, you know, a lot of times that's how it is. You know, you're doing something and you're doing it for free. and You don't realize, hey, you know, they're going to pay me for this. Wait a minute. Hold on. Girl. And, and, and you know, that's what I that's what I coach and, 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 and mentor people to understand, because oftentimes when we're thinking about our purpose, we're mm-hmm. expecting for, you know, this voice for, for the the scatter part and this voice like Charlton Heston to come down and Gabriel's trumpet and, you know, angels are zip zapping back and forth. Mm-hmm. And we just got this whole thing. And it's really not even that deep like it's really your profits are where your purpose and your passion intersect at that intersection is where your 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 money margin is right there and your purpose is normally well okay so so i refer to it as uh, your genius zone people who want to be real deep call it purpose but my thing is it's it's that thing that you always find people saying Man, how do you do that? Long yes, like, you yes. So, like, how do you? And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. I woke up like this. What you? That's right. Mom? You know, <laughs> and, and you're trying to figure out why is it so mind-boggling for them. Matter of fact, why do you even want to know how I can do this? That's because that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what you are supposed to be working on monetizing. Okay. And so, when we think about purpose. And when I was going through this process, it for me was like, it wasn't so much an aha as much as it was a duh. I know. Like, you know, it's, what? <laughs> Man, are you serious right now? You know, I like, could have been here 10 years ago. What? <laughs> right. I could have I came out the gate with this thing. What you, you know, what you mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, so, so just having the opportunity to actually monetize it has been such a blessing. It really has. So is that where, um, this, this thing that you do now, it's called Purpose Passion Profit Group. Is that how that came about? That is absolutely how it came about. Um, it is, 
the intersection, yeah. So so my whole platform, what I do, I'm not only am I an empowerment speaker, of course, best-selling author, as mm-hmm. you said, but I'm also a life and business mentor. So what I do is I mentor new and aspiring coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to grow their expert business, to build their wealth, and to expand their influence. Because my position is we should all live in the and. And what that means is you can have money and create impact at the same time. They are mm-hmm. not mutually exclusive. And I believe that as human beings, it's our job to create impact while we are being rewarded uh, financially, and that creates a win-win situation. So in the Purpose, Passion, and and Profit group, um, my mentorees, my clients, I do strategy sessions with people, all that kind of stuff. That's what we work toward, creating money and impact and living in the end. Okay. Now, are also some of these concepts in your book, The Significance Factor? The significance factor is all about um, avoiding becoming just another obituary in the family photo album. Okay. So I don't know about anybody else, but I had the grandmama who collected obituaries. (laughs) Like anybody, anybody (laughs) who who passed, right? Anybody who went on, even girl <laughs> when, people, when people i think that i think that is unique to our culture ebony i don't, oh. I don't think anybody else does that but uh, you black know, folks because really at the end of the day i'm not going this kind of morbid like, yeah. even at the funeral <laughs> like why do you want this you know and so uh-huh. she had this album where she kept all the obituaries <laughs> and there are unfortunately i i loved dr miles monroe still do um just still, still sad that he's gone. But one thing that he always talked about was the fact that the cemetery is the wealthiest place on the planet mm. because there are so many people who left here with their gifts and their talents and they took them with them. Mm-hmm. And the goal, though, should be to die empty having poured out all your gifts, all your talents, and left a legacy so that having lived so well and so broad and so wide and so loudly that when you leave here, people can trace their success right back. Like you were the incubator. You were the catalyst. Mm -hmm. You were the one who who looked at them and said, do it, go for it, right? And Mm -hmm. My whole significance factor past started with a car accident. Um, my oldest son, again, Gabriel, and I were traveling to a neighboring city. We were headed to um, the grocery store, actually, and there was a lady. She pulled out in front of us. She didn't see us. And um, I actually swerved. It was a two-lane highway. I swerved to miss her. I went back and forth across the highway, came back over to the uh, left, hit the median flipped three times in my SUV mm. and landed upside down. Mm. And mm. I was going about 70 miles an hour at, at the time. And um, the car was supposed to have it, it exploded. Like people on the highway uh, literally stopped when they saw me swerve to miss her. They stopped because they, they, in their mind, something bad is about to happen. Mm. And it literally stopped and the traffic was backed up because they thought my car was going to explode on impact. The mm. the gas line was cut. Like it was just all kind of damage to the car. And my son and I walked away. Wow. And now on the scene, Lana, the Detroit came out. I was like, <laughs> I was like how am I get home? I got to go to work tomorrow. I ain't got no car. What I'm going to do? I got things my husband. Too. You know, like, <laughs> Never Girl, forget. I, no, 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 take into account I could have died. But look, I got things this weekend. You know, I'm trying to get to the store. I got to get this boy to school tomorrow. No, right. no, we're taking it to the fact I could be dead right yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, because, you know, once they got gay about the car, I was just like, I, I think I was in shock, really. And, and, and I didn't just, because I was like, when I'm a cook, and I can't go to the grocery like, I'm just like. So a couple days later, though, I was just like sitting, just kind of, I was finally quiet. Mm. And the thought occurred to me, Ebony, if you would have died the other day, besides your mom and your husband, who would have cared? Mm. Like what, what, what meaning has, has your life had 
that there will be people who would just like be, oh my gosh, you know, mm. I, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I didn't like the answer to my question because what I realized was I have been living a very insignificant life. I had become complacent. I was all right. You know, I was married, had my, my first son, you know, good, got a, got a good government job, got the yes, house, right. got the, the SUVs, you know, we good. We good <laughs> over here. You know what I'm saying? And, but, but, but that seed inside of me that was there when I was six, and I was, mm. you know, the entrepreneur at six and, and seven and 13 with my first company, you know, it, it would not die. And there was that thing that kept saying there is more to you than this. Mm-hmm. And there are people waiting on you. And the reality is that that's true for the great majority of us. Those of us who wake up to that reality for us and, and, it's almost like it's reminiscent, Lana, of the Matrix movie. So if anybody's seen the Matrix, you know, based on on that movie, we live like in like dual realities. Yes. And so I took the red pill. <laughs> like, no, you know, it's like I, I can see clearly now. I'm got to change. Something you has know? got to be changed. And you know, and that, not to cut you off, but before we mm-hmm. go to Kershaw, it just reminds me so much, and I say this all the time, and people probably get sick of me, here go line again, she's gonna say that line again, we're gonna get tired of it. But my grandmother has, she said to me, um, before they put you, when they put you six feet under, this world should be a better place because you're yes. here. And, and I oh, live by good. that. I live by that. We're gonna take our last commercial break. Ebony will be right back right after this. Okay. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. I am Lana Reed, and today I'm hanging out with the author of the book, The Significance Factor, Mrs. Ebony L. Truss. And, uh, Ebony, I want to make sure I cover um, some other stuff that you're doing with my audience so they know that you are truly, truly awesome and amazing and fantabulous. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I was on your website, and you have this thing called uh, the Body Beautiful Movement. Now, yes. I don't know if uh, you watched this recent uh, the BET Awards, and you know Jesse Williams, he came out and gave that beautiful speech. I don't, I don't know if you got a chance to, to catch that, but after his speech, my Facebook page lit up with pictures of him and his wife, and uh, the commentary was not so favorable. Uh, they were talking about how she wasn't as attractive as he was. She was kind of chunky, and it was it was just like a lot of shaming. Um, so I'm wondering, is, is that kind of the thought process beti- behind the Body Beautiful movement, or is it something else? That is, you are on it. That is okay. absolutely it. And, it, and it's actually something that I'm kind of building in the background right now. So okay. the Body Beautiful movement is... It's a few things, but the the crux of the conversation is loving you where you are right now. Okay. Because um, I know, not for me, I've, I've never been the the itty-bitty one, as in <laughs> the little one, okay. right? So now, now I've never been, you know, like morbidly obese or anything like that, but I've always been the thick one. I've always okay. been the one who was overweight in my crew. Doesn't okay. matter what age range, and, and I, I'm 39 now. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter, you know. Even now, amongst my besties, I'm still the the thick one. Mm-hmm. And those of us who, you know, we desire to remove weight, we want to, you know, um, look a certain way or whatever. It's all the thought process is usually the, the like the goal. Like we attach our face to our ideal body, all that kind of stuff. And so we go through all these these dramas and, and, and traumas to, uh, to get to the goal, and we forget that the issue is the right now. Okay. The reason why it's difficult to lose the weight and to keep it off is because the weight that's on the body is a manifestation of the weight that's in the mind. Okay. So if I can love myself at this weight, if I can love myself at this pant size, if I can learn to love my boobs the way they are and my (laughs) butt the way it sits right now, then (laughs) it's so much easier to love to to get to the goal that I'm trying to get to as opposed to hating myself. Every time I I look in the mirror, I hate what I see. I, you know, I'm I'm just talking about myself all the time. And then looking at other women, 
doing the same thing. And so now we all hate each other and we got that energy going. So the mm. Body Beautiful movement is all about loving me right now today, even though, you know, I may have only lost five pounds or I may have messed around, you know, had too much of a good weekend and gained five pounds. It's okay because I'm still me. I'm still fantabulous. As you say, I'm still awesome. I'm <laughs> still, you know, an asset to the world. So even though I may have slipped up or even though I've not gotten to the goal, the fact still remains that today I am beautiful. Today I am awesome. Today I'm sexy. And it's not because you say so or you say so or they say so, but doggone it because I say so. There you go. And that's it. There you go. There you yeah. go. How are you looking at you? You have to, if you don't feel, if you don't feel good about you, you can't expect anybody else to. It all starts itself. Come on now. Yes. Starts itself. itself. Wonderful. So you've also got this thing, uh, the international success tour. Uh, well, what is that about? First of all, it sounds, you know, very exotic. (laughs) And where, where's the next one at is the next one. (laughs) That's great. So the, so the two, okay. So, so each year, um, in Atlanta, I do an event called Women Ignited, okay. and Women Ignited, the the um, the catalyst for that was the realization that most people don't succeed because they're knowledge constipated. Mm. What do I mean by that? We got all this information, all this information, you know, because we love it learn new stuff right especially creatives entrepreneurs oh we at this conference that conference that seminar that speak on it you know girl we taking selfies with the speakers yes girl i was here speak on it i was here right and we go home and we don't do nothing nothing at all the flame dies quickly girl got binders on top of binders in the bookcase got your name tags hanging up in the picture frame i mean just excited but you just full of information and no action and so what i tell women is that i'm the x-lax for their brain so i'm gonna come i'm gonna show you how to take that information and actually use it in order to be of benefit to the world so i had women ignited and the women were like oh my gosh this was awesome Uh, my first one was last year this was awesome. Oh my gosh. But Ebony, how do we just get you? Mm-hmm. And so from that, the intentional success uh, tour was born. And so I had several women who said, listen, I want you to come to my community, come to my, you know. And so all across the country, I had various women and I was like, okay, you know, great. And so, mm-hmm. um, so the tour is actually miniature intimate versions of women ignited to where we talk about like for example the fact that you can't be a personal mess and a business success what are those things in your personal life that are blockages toward your business success ain't no sense in you talking about you gonna make how many figures Mm -hmm. when your marriage ain't right when your mm-hmm. children acting a fool, when you stressed out, like you got all this stuff going on, you ain't making no, you're going to make three figures. Forget mm-hmm. five and six, you're going to make three because you ain't able. And we got to have that conversation because you can't separate the two. You are your business. And so um, I, we've done L.A., we're headed to Panama City Beach, we're headed to Dallas, we've done Birmingham, Alabama, um, just <clears throat> several different spots across the country um, where I am taking women on this journey to discover themselves in order to be able to fully commit to their businesses. Awesome. And I, I'm just realizing now that I done spoke some life and some, some Ford. Girl, in, it's in, okay. In, I it's said cool. international success yeah. too. I said, oh, it's, inten- it's intense. I said, okay, I'm just speaking, I'm just speaking it into her. Come on. There you go. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I was shouting on, on the inside when you said it. Yes, yes. That's okay. That's okay. That, that's what I'm seeing for you. International. International. Yes. Thank okay. you. I receive it. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. So you also do a lot of mentoring um, for women out there, and you have different uh, classes or types or, or titles for the mentoring that you do. Uh, what, yes. is, what, are some, what are some of the uh, mentoring uh, classes or, that, that a woman can catch up with you and, and take? Awesome. Okay. So, um, my, my, I guess 
flagship or signature mentorship opportunity. It's called Money and Impact Mentoring. And I have several women across the country who I work with one-on-one to build their expert business, Um, whether it's a speaking platform, whether it is um, writing their book, uh, whatever the case may be, I work with them one-on-one to do that. And um, they have had great success. I've had um, women to launch their products. Uh, One of my mentorees, she um, owns a boutique in LA and I've helped her to increase her revenue like 385% over mm-hmm. last year. So, so things like that with money and, and impact mentoring. And then I'm, I, I just launched actually this week, Lana, um, success with Ebony. And okay. that is my virtual mentorship opportunity. And it's primarily for those who are not at the place where they can make the investment for money and impact mentoring, but they love me. They know I can get them results. I can guide them, uh, support them, give them that accountability they need to get their business going and off the ground. So I created that as a group opportunity as opposed to the one-on-one with money and impact. So both of those, uh, you can get more information by going to lifeandbizmentor.com, B-I-Z, B as in boy, okay. I-Z, lifeandbizmentor.com. Yes. Okay. okay, cool. Now, <clears throat> in this last few uh, minutes that me and you have together, um, I want to know, because you talk a lot, you empower everybody, you teach everybody to understand what their more is, what their legacy yes. that they – so for Ebony, uh, what, what more is there? Woo, girl, so much more. Cause I, got, <laughs> I got like 80 more years to live. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so there are, are, are more – best-selling books coming there primarily Lana oh girl why are you asking that Lord have mercy okay so 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 primarily primarily I I do want to do the international thing and people have said to me more than once that you need your own television show and so to to have the opportunity to have a an international platform of that magnitude um and, and to be able to be a blessing and to pour into and to pull out of that many more people, that that is like the ultimate for me. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going I already spoke on the international thing. So yes. I'm going to speak on the international TV show. So there yes. we go. Woo! I am, I am at the end of my hour with Ebony. Everybody, please make sure you stop by and visit her website, Ebony Trust, T-R-U-S-S dot com. Enjoyed you so much today, Ebony. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in live your very best life. I'm your host, Lonnie, and I'll see you all next week. 